Well, happy Sunday, everybody. Do y'all love this guy? Don't you love Seth Hardy? <clears throat> Little secret, today is Seth's birthday. So would y'all let Seth know how much you love him? He's getting old. You turned 30 today. I hate you for that. You can go now, but anyways. Good night. Well, it's so good to see you guys. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Shore. Big weekend. Got Super Bowl tonight. How many of y'all gonna be watching the game tonight? How many of y'all are Who Day fans? How many of y'all are Rams fans? Oh, this is y'all. Y'all are riveting. I don't know really what to say. Y'all are really captured me. How many of y'all are Falcons fans and you're just sad they're not in it? There we go. How many of y'all are just Georgia fans and you don't care about anybody else? I'm very sad about that. But anyways, so, big, and then tomorrow, Valentine's Day, hint, 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 right? So if, and listen, you're thinking things about my sweater. You want to say them, they've all been said. So just, just walk into it. Anne's like, have people given you a hard time? I went, she went, don't listen to them. All right, don't listen to them. Anyways, so, love weekend. Nobody gets love better than kids. And every couple years, we'll listen to what kids say about love. Found a brand new list. This is really good. They went around, they surveyed these four to eight-year-olds about what love means. So just, we'll just dive in with me a little bit. Rebecca, age eight. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Some of y'all are looking at the guy next to you going, you sorry sucker. There's nothing wrong with you and you don't do jack squat. But anyways, that's a great one. <laughs> Billy, age four. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Isn't that sweet? I've never met a four-year-old that could say that. But anyways, just roll with them. I'm just reading this is more like it. Emily, age eight. Love is when you kiss all the time. That's when you get tired of kissing. You still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look really gross when they kiss. All right, that's definitely. This, this is my favorite one though. This, this one's the award. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt. This is from Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt then he wears it every day. All right, and so, it's a good point. She's on it. I know my older sister loves me. It's Lauren, age four. She's not been sent into the ways of the world yet. I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. <laughs> don't tell her, all right? Don't tell her. She's in. So it's so funny when I read that this morning. A couple years ago, we were, a couple years, it's been a, been a while now, but when my sister has twins and boys, and they're three years older, I think, than Casey, so all their stuff came to Casey, and he got a new tech jersey, and he got a new, all this new stuff. Well, to him, it was new, and then we were at my mom and dad's a couple years ago looking through pictures, and he's like, Nick and Zach are wearing the jersey. That was theirs, right? And so it finally hit him that it was a hand-me-down. But anyway, he was old man when he figured that out. But anyway, so um, this is from Jessica, age eight. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot 
because people forget, right? That's so true, isn't it? But the winner was a four-year-old little boy. It's my favorite one. Winner is a four-year-old little boy whose neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went in the old gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and he just sat there. When his mother asked what he said to the neighbor, the little boy said, nothing. I just helped him cry. What you find in this early church, in the book of Acts, there was nothing special about them other than they were people who loved people. They were ordinary. They were just like you and me, trying to figure it out, trying to know what was up and what was down. But they said, God, you can use me in the lives of other people. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, Acts 13. If you've got your Bible, awesome. If you've got the app open, North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store, probably the easiest way to follow along is on that. And you also may have been given a note sheet on the way in. So if you're in Compass, if you're watching from the theater, so glad you're here. I believe God has something for you today. I don't think you just showed up. I really don't. Man, I walked in this room today and you could feel the energy of people who go, I want something more than I got. I know God's got something. This early church, let me set up the scene of what's going on. This early church is thriving in a crazy area. They're thriving in the city called Antioch, third largest city, Roman Empire, Godless, terrible, pagan, but God, it really became, Antioch became the epicenter of this movement of Christianity. They were first called Christians at Antioch. And God is working and moving. And then today we see God showing up and sending. The church has scattered we saw in Acts, remember we did Birth of a Movement series, the church begins, the church is scattered, the church down Antioch and other places is gathered, and now we find the church being sent out. And what you find are some common stories that they faced that you and I are going to face. You are introduced at length to a gentleman we spent the past two weeks talking about named Paul. Paul wrote the two powerful prayers out of Ephesians we've been in. We met Saul in Acts earlier, but now you see him really become the focal point of what's going on. This will tell you a little bit about the area they were in. Chuck Swindoll said it this way, in this compost-like blend of east and west, good and bad, morality and depravity, the gospel germinated, took root, and flourished like a rose in a garbage dump. So if you think God can only work in easy places, this will set you free. Acts chapter 13, verse one. We're gonna read a little bit and we'll stand here in just a second. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, who was from Ethiopia, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, 
and Saul. So you'll notice, time out real quick. Luke is the writer of Acts, and Luke gathers so many details that you're gonna read. You're gonna read a lot of details. Listen to what he says. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and they sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They were down to the seaport of Seleucia and then called and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues. They preached the word of God. John Mark went them with them as their assistant. Time out real quick. Jesus said at the end, before he went back to heaven, I'm going to send you to Jerusalem, Judea, and the what? Uttermost parts of the what? Earth. Now you're seeing the uttermost parts. These guys are taking it out. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until they finally reach Papus, famous for this worship of a of a goddess called Aphrodite, the love goddess. And this is where they met the, Jew, the Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, which means son of salvation. Time out real quick. You're gonna learn something really good here. Whenever God has a work, the enemy will always counterfeit God's work. You need to know that. Whenever God is up to something, so is the enemy. And you're gonna watch this guy named Bar-Jesus. If you're reading it out of the message, and I love how the message said it, it said he's crooked as a corkscrew. All right, that's what they called him in the message, which I thought was really good. Would y'all stand with me now as we dive into this part where we're gonna spend our time this morning? This is what we learn about Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was what kind of man? What's it say? Intelligent. Intelligent. He wasn't a a dumb guy. This guy got it. He understood it. The governor, though, invited Barnabas and Saul to visit with him. So here's this governor. He's a smart man intellectually, but he's spiritually blind. Physically can see, spiritually cannot see. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in the Greek, he interfered and he urged the governor to pay no attention to Barnabas and Saul and what they said because he was trying to keep the governor from what? What's it say there? His goal was to keep him spiritually blind. This guy had an intent and his intent was to deceive, and his intent was to distract, and his intent was to keep the governor, this guy he had attached himself to, from believing. So Saul, also known as Paul, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning he walked in Jesus. He met Jesus, and he walked in Jesus. All right, and this is the way we'd say it today. Everybody look at me. He had as much Jesus as he wanted, and he wanted all of it. You have as much of Jesus today as you choose to have. He does not go, well, I'm going to give you a lot, and I'm going to give you a little bit. No, 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 no. We all can get equal amounts. 
he was full of the Holy Spirit. And look at what he says. He comes on really soft. You son of the devil, full of, y'all ever been approached like this before? Full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that's good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of God? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Paul understood this. He had been struck blind as well. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and to lead him. So this guy, it's not a permanent blindness, but it's a short-term blindness, because Paul wanted to get the governor's attention. But what's interesting, so if you and I are there, and I see a guy struck blind, I'll notice that. That's not what the governor notices. Look at what happened. Verse 12, when the governor saw what happened, he became a what? What's it say next? He got it. Spiritual eyes opened. He became a believer. But look at what it says. For he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Not at the miracle. He was astonished at the teaching. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world that's dying to see who Jesus is, what Jesus like, what is like, and what he has for them. And they're waiting on you, and they're waiting on me. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing this morning, would you ask the Lord to speak to you today? Would you? Then would you tell him, God, when you speak, I'll listen. I'm all in. Father, I pray the noise of the rest of the day is distant. And God, I pray you have our eyes, our ears, our hearts today. So tomorrow you can have our hands and our feet. So God, speak to us now and do your work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, Amen. before you're seated, find two people and tell them if you got your Valentine's shopping done or not. All right, you take care of that real quick. <clears throat> so, yes or no question. Was Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, was the mission they were about to be sent out on part of God's plan, yes or no? Help me out again. Was the mission they were about to be sent out on part of God's plan, yes or no? Yes. You would think God would make it easy, wouldn't you? I mean, they're in Antioch. God is moving in Antioch. And God goes to the leaders of the church and said, give me Saul and Barnabas. I need to send them to the uttermost parts of the earth. Surely to goodness God would have gone ahead of them and made things a little easy. Very first trip might be Paul's, Saul's easiest trip. The rest of it is downhill. Quitting would have been a great option. 
is they were launched out. You would think, man, God's in charge. God's going to make a way, which he did. Surely this is going to be simple. Let me tell you something about great things. Great things never happen to people who aren't resilient. Resilient means, I want you to write this little thought down and we're going to dive in because it's the name of the series. Resilient means the ability to bounce back. That's what resilience means. When things are hard, you bounce back. When things are tough, you bounce back. When things are not going your way, you bounce back. You aren't resilient when times are good. Man, you're living off those times. You're resilient when times aren't good. You're resilient when everything's working against you in your marriage, in your home, in your career, and in your family. That's where you determine resilience. Let me tell you something. We are not sitting in this room if it were not for the resilient faith of Saul and Barnabas. As they are launched out, there are some common things about them you and I need to get, because here's the deal. Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, made their lives count. Can we all agree on that? I mean, we're sitting here 2,000 years later talking about these jokers. They made their lives count. They didn't have Instagram, they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have Facebook, but we all know who they are because they etched their place launched out with their faith. Can I tell you what God's not looking for? God's not looking for people who have it all together. God's looking for people that don't have it all together, that are trying to figure it out. They didn't know how to do this. They were just able to be used. Principle number one. To be used, to be launched out for him, you gotta first begin by surrendering your heart. I want you to write two things under it. <clears throat> first, to Jesus. Would you write that down? To Jesus. You can't do anything spiritually ahead of you till you go, Jesus, you got all of me, which is salvation, right? I was 14 when I met Christ. Some of you, got a good friend over here, was in his 60s when he met Christ. Some of you met Christ in your 20s. Some of you met him in your teens when you were kids. But you surrendered your heart. But here's the second thing I want you to write down. Daily surrender. It's not just surrendering your heart one time. That's salvation. Your, your salvation is secured. But your life is lived by daily surrender. So what am I surrendering? Here's the things I'm surrendering. My agenda. How many of y'all have an agenda for your life? Raise your hand. How many of y'all, your agenda involves really easy things that benefit you? Raise your hand, all right? That's me, right? My agenda isn't adversity, strength. So we've been watching this thing on Amazon Prime called the, the Eco Challenge. It's a world race that Bear Grylls is in charge of. If Bear Grylls is in charge of it, I am not interested, all right? And so it was like 11 days. Most of the teams slept less than an hour a night. I'm out, all right? And so it's like, would you want to do that if we were younger? And I went, heck no, all right? I'm not interested in that. Our agendas always give me easy. We got to surrender our agenda. We got to surrender our plans. 
You know, you would think, so I, I came to know Christ at 14. I'm not 14 anymore. You would think somewhere in all these 39 years since, I'd have gotten better at this. But here's what I've learned. I want you to write this little thought down and we're gonna develop it. It's daily, it's daily. I could surrender my heart to Jesus at 14 and I gotta surrender again tomorrow morning to what God has for me. Not salvation, but to what God has for me. Everybody look at me. God wants to use you if you'll let him. All right, would y'all agree God is working all the time, yes or no? I believe, I believe so. Henry Blackaby, in the, in the book Experiencing God, he said it. You know, God is at work all the time. Our job's to get in on what he's doing. But how does it begin? It begins with a surrendered heart. So think about this early church. We just read the passage. Think about this early church. God speaks to the leaders of the church that I want you to send Saul and Barnabas. We have no record Saul and Barnabas ever went, well, we like to look at the plans and we like to look at exactly where you're sending us. We like to know the itinerary. We would like, here's what I know about Saul and Barnabas. Their yes was on the table, wasn't it? They just said, yes, just tell me where you want me to go. And they went. There was no prerequisite. There was no, let me tell you something. You never find great leaders of the Lord in Scripture, just take out our society, just talking about the ones we have recorded in Scripture, who didn't receive a call they had to respond to and they had to surrender their heart. And God isn't looking for professionals. He's looking for everyday normal people who just say, God, you can use me. He's looking for ball coaches. He's looking for business owners. He's looking for police officers. He's looking for firemen. He's looking for salespeople. He's looking for stay-at-home moms who have the toughest job in the business. Because they have to be policemen, firemen, all those things, right? They're all wrapped up in one. It, he's just looking for available people. But number two, not only do we surrender our heart, we look for opportunities. We're on the lookout. We believe God's working. We're just trying to find out where and how. So let me tell you this. Long before we surrendered our heart for God to use us, God was already at work. Do y'all believe that? I believe he was. I believe he was at work through people's prayers. I believe he was at work. We've got a whole group of college. If you're in, if you're in this room today and you're in college, would you raise your hand? Let's look all around the room. It's unbelievable. It wasn't an accident you ended up at church here. Somebody was praying for you. How many of y'all ended up at North Shore because a friend invited you? Raise your hand, okay? A good number of you guys. That friend didn't just invite you. Probably there was a mom or dad somewhere just praying fervently for you to go to church. Some of you, how many of y'all ended up in this room because somebody invited you to be here? Raise your hand, all ages. Wow. Somebody just said, man, they, they saw you and they looked for an opportunity and they heard you mention church or you didn't even mention church. You mentioned you're just in a weird season. They looked for an opportunity and they saw you. And here's the two things, ready? Open, open doors and open hearts. Open doors and open hearts. God does all the work. Our eyes are open 
to open doors and open hearts. Hey, you got me. It may be just a conversation and you're like, God, this is the weirdest thing. I've never told somebody about Jesus before. I've never invited somebody to Jesus before. But, but open doors, open hearts. So it's interesting, Barnabas, one of the guys on this trip, which means, remember, son of encouragement or the encourager, Barnabas was from Cyprus. So the very first place they went to Cyprus, they had open doors to synagogues. Why? Because they knew people. He already had relationships there. Open doors, open hearts. Five years ago, I could have told you this. I am in the middle of experiencing this right now. I'm gonna tell you a little story. You heard me reference it a lot. Back in 2017, 2018, I got approached by three professional baseball scouts that were longtime friends of mine and a longtime college baseball coach. And this is what they said. We met up at Lake Point at Chick-fil-A. And they said, Mike, we don't get to go to church on Sundays. We travel. They, none of them, one of them lives in the area. The other guys don't live here. They said, we have to travel and we have to recruit every weekend. So if we get to go to church, we never get to go to a small group and we feel like we need to be in a small group, would you help start a Bible study for us on Mondays? Would you do a Bible study on Mondays? And I'm like, well, sure. How do y'all wanna do it? And they said, well, there's this thing called Zoom. Let's just do it on Zoom. You heard of Zoom? All right, let's just do it on Zoom, early adopter. And I'm like, yeah. 2017, 2018, whenever it started, that was till 2020, there were eight to 14 of us. We did it every Monday. In fact, back then, we'd just take summers off. It's too hard on them. But they're guys, they don't get to go to church. Pandemic happens, March 2020. My buddy with the White Sox, who's probably watching right now, he goes, hey, God's laid me to send a note on to, would you forward it out to our little database of people? Sure, be glad to. So I sent a note out from Kevin that basically said, there's no recruiting, there's no scouting, you have no excuse not to jump on this call on Mondays. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Guilt is a beautiful thing, all right? And so I send the note out. 40 guys Monday morning jumped on. It's awesome. I thought it'd be a one-time hit. It went from 40 to 50, 50 to 60. Last Monday, we had 86 guys on the call. 86 guys. Many of them former major league managers, special assistants to the GMs. I've met maybe 10 of them, maybe on the whole call. I know 10 people personally. I've met them. I know them, but I don't know them. I got high school coaches from Scranton, New York, to a guy in San Diego, California, who gets up at 6 a.m. to get on the call every Monday. You know how they find out about it? Open doors. Open hearts. A guy telling a guy telling a guy. Last week, I have scheduled a phone call on Wednesday with a young man named Angelo. Angelo, his name is Coach in his Twitter account. So I'm assuming he's a coach. I call him. I said, Coach, what can I do to help him? He's like, well, technically, I'm really not a coach. I'm a college baseball player. I'm a D3 baseball player in Michigan. And he said, Mike, I saw a post on Twitter about it. I want to get in coaching one day. And I thought, well, what better way to market myself and meet people than getting, let's give the guy credit, all right, get in with a bunch of coaches who might hire me one day. So absolutely. Then he said, but God started to get me. He said, Mike, I've never gone to church in my life. I don't own a Bible. 
So I went out and bought a Bible and I was embarrassed because I didn't want to read my Bible in front of my friends. He did, did he bought it, sat in his kitchen reading his Bible. His two roommates walk in and like, dude, what you doing? Teammates, I'm reading the Bible. Can we read with you? Could you explain it to us? He's been on the call for a month. He's like, uh, I really don't know what to explain, but you're welcome to read it with me. And this was his line. And Angela, if you're watching right now, he said, I think it's like a Christian rule book. All right, that's what he said about the Bible. <laughs> Must have been Baptist. I don't know. Anyway, so, <laughs> so he begins to read the Bible. So he's telling me this. I said, Angela, could I set you up on a call with Cole Ragsdale, who's on our call every week? Thursday, I get a text from Cole. Just led Angela to Christ. I'm discipling now Angelo and his roommates. Open doors, open hearts. I've never met Angelo. I probably will never meet him. Was God looking for somebody special? No. He was just looking for somebody available. And somebody available told him about it, who told them about it, who got on the call. We sit in this room today because as Larry said, there was a launch 2,000 years ago and we still feel the after effects. Saul and Barnabas show up and here's the governor. He's the guy, he's the dude. And he's looking, man, he's searching. He's following Bar-Jesus, he's a buddy. He, he's buying in a little bit about what Bar-Jesus said, but he knows it's not, a, he knows it's not everything. And so he says, man, I, I want to hear you preach. And he does. Everybody look at me. And his spiritual eyes were opened. Look for opportunities. Open doors. Open hearts. Let me tell you something. They're all around you. They're all around you. Do not let success make you think they don't need Jesus. They just hide it behind all the stuff. But number three, so here's what you need to know. You need to expect opposition. You need to prepare and expect for opposition. And I, I <clears throat> sitting to creep you out, I was gonna tell you, he would much rather you stay on the sideline. He would much, the enemy can't have your heart, but you sure have how you live. Prepare for opposition. If today, God, the Holy Spirit, taps you on your shoulder and you're like, I want him to know I'm available, get ready. Everything and outside hell itself will try to keep you from living for Jesus. Because while you don't live for Jesus, you are not a bother. I sit and watch film on Saturday mornings with high school football coaches. Out of all the years I've watched film for 14 years, I have never seen them focus on anybody on the sideline. Hey, look at 17 by the water cooler. We need to be worried about this guy. No, 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 never worried about him. We're worried about the rule of running back number nine. That's who they're worried about because he's got the ball in his hands. He's a problem. And they set up a game planned to take him out of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, eternity hangs in the balance for people. 
And they're your friends. They're your coworkers. They're your neighbors. Prepare for opposition. So here's the funniest thing. <laughs> so the way my week works, I study, I, I work every morning, six, I'm an early bird, six till one, one thirty. 1.30 to 3.30 every day I study. That's just what I, that's the way I work. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I study as much of the day. I set aside the day on Wednesdays to study as much as I can. Thursday, I put the finishing touches on, 1.30, 3.30, and can enjoy the weekend. Wednesday, I got a call from one of the guys on my call who I've never met, college baseball coach in South Carolina. <clears throat> He said, man, I need to talk to you about something I'm going through. This was a Monday after the call. So we set it up 10 a.m. Wednesday morning. Coach, to me, Mike, I'm trying so hard to live for Jesus. But every time I start a Bible study for my players, a secular university, every time I start a Bible study for my, for my players, it's like everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Is that normal? And I said, Coach, you ain't gonna believe this because preachers lie a little bit, but you ain't gonna believe this, but I'm actually in my sermon right now and point number three is prepare for opposition. You are now my sermon illustration. That's what I told him now. You're, you're my illustration. Why? Because yes, it's very normal. Can I tell you something? The reason Bar Jesus distracted the governor is he did not want his spiritual eyes open. Do you know why opposition happens? Because the enemy does not want people's spiritual eyes opened. He wants them to think because you're born in America, you're good. He wants you to think if you drive the right vehicle, you're good. He wants you to think if you got a good family, you're good. If you go to church, you're good. Y'all do know going to church does not get you in heaven. Everybody aware of that? Your live scent magnet, love seeing it on your car. Some of you should drive better. But anyway, so I, lo I love the magnets. But when you get to heaven, Jesus ain't gonna go, so did you go to North Star? I love North Star. Come on in, I got a special line for you. No, no, no. What matters is what you did with Jesus. That's what matters. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been called to a mission. Everybody look at me. Way bigger than us. Same mission Paul and Barnabas were called to. Opposition happened. You know what they did? They faced it. They bounced back and did their best work in tough circumstances. Today, 2022, the call has not changed. The call has not changed. There's no age limit on it. Young or old, God's waiting to see whose heart is surrendered to him. Would you pray with me? God, what a story. What a story. Change this governor's eternity. God, there's somebody I know that needs their eternity changed. God, I'm in the middle of watching this happen. And, and all I literally do is pop on Zoom on Monday mornings and open a Bible and I'm watching you work. Not through me, through these coaches reaching coaches who reach coaches. It's, I, I've never seen anything like it. All my years.
God, I have a feeling you love to do this in some neighborhoods. You love to do this on some teams. You love to do this in some families. Maybe today you're in this room watching online. And today, you go, Mike, I know Jesus. But I need to put my yes back on the table to tell him I'm willing, ready, and able for him to have me, to do what he wants with me. I don't even know what that means, Mike. But I'm ready. Would you just tell the Lord, would you? Maybe you walked in this room today and you came with a friend, you came with your spouse, you came because your kids invited you, came because a neighbor told you about it. I don't know how you ended up, but it's like there's this huge tug going on in your heart. He said, Mike, I don't know Jesus, but I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior. Today, I ask you him. If you prayed that prayer with me for the very first time this morning, welcome home. Now, come on, let's go. Jesus, you're too good. Thanks for loving us like you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. If today you prayed that prayer with me and you asked Christ in your heart, on your sermon note sheet, there's a little QR code you can take a picture of, fill out the form. You can go to northstarchurch.org slash next. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. What are you waiting on? Don't wanna watch that thing happen. I wanna get in on it. Man, I want you to get in on it. Maybe you're watching today and you're like, I met two people last service. First time they've been back since the pandemic and they're like, I'm so glad I came back. Maybe you're within five miles of North Star and you just need to go. Next Sunday, I'm gonna be in church because one thing that can't translate over a camera is energy. And man, being in with you guys is so good. Are you glad you came today? We are so thankful that you came today.